Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShadowLinXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalligators. Well, this week we have a different type of mantra. Usually our mantras are very perky and bubbly. Today it's a bit more action focused. The mantra today is, I walk away. I walk away. Uh, I walk away. It's very important to know when to engage and when to not. You know, we all know the phrase, pick your battles. And I am a bit of a bellicose warlike person, so I do pick my battles. But that's the thing. That's the key to that phrase, the verb pick. You do have to, like, pick your engagements. But of course, the real essence of that phrase is pick when you're not going to engage. Pick when you are going to walk away. And so this is going to relate to two different topics we're going to talk about today, beta males who neg us like misogyny and non-committal men and walking away from something that actually kind of isn't serving you anymore even though on paper it should be walking away from a job or an achievement or a position of power that eh, not super into so let's relax let's roll our shoulders back Ooh, you know just like a little little ripple run through our body i always like to tug on my earlobes because then it relaxes my jaw and we're gonna breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth while saying our mantra, I walk away. In through the nose. I walk away. And out through the mouth. One more time. Say it to yourself in through the nose. And out through the mouth. So let's get into it. And then you're going to see how this mantra ties in. So as usual, we're sourcing these questions from the Shalligator Reddit thread. I love it. There's like 3,000 of you guys on there. You connect, you post you know, problems, you answer each other. Also, you guys connect on my Instagram channel. You guys become friends in the comment section, so head on over there and follow me at ShallonXO. Also, a little quick announcement, I'm on Memo. Memo, M-E-M-M-O, is kind of the European, UK, Canadian version of Cameo. And Cameo, as you might know, is where you can book a little video chat with me, like if you need a pep talk, a birthday wish for a friend, a question answered. That's an easy way to do it, but it's not available everywhere. Memo is kind of the uh, the catch-all, so if it's not available in your area, you can head on over there. Or if you want like a longer question answered, something a bit more detailed and personal, you can head to my website, shallonlester.com, and click submit a question, and I get back to you in a few days. It's, I love connecting with you guys. I love talking to you. So here's a question a shalligator submitted. She said, I watched a video by another YouTuber that touched on this subject, and I would love to hear Shallon's perspective about misogyny and how it relates to modern dating and non-committal men. To summarize, this YouTuber attributed the modern-day man's reluctance to commit as an extension of the patriarchy. This translates into the average Joe, his not-so-average laundry list of requirements to deem a woman, a woman worthy of his commitment and effort. Bikini model, specific hair color, scholar with PhD, makes over 100000 submissive and yet also kinky, but with no expectations of him in return. Oh, and even if the woman checks off all of these box- boxes and has options herself, he'll shift the goalpost by comparison and pit her against other women. Essentially, because women's role in society has evolved and grown, our autonomy and independence is a threat. 
And since men do not yield the same degree of power and control over us, they counteract this by regaining the power they've allegedly lost in other ways. Think their sheer entitlement in regards to our body and our time while offering nothing of substance to us in return. AKA, why do men have the audacity? I think, I love this metaphor, shifting the goalpost. I use that a lot, you know? Um, and I think we felt this and a lot of people have been using this metaphor in terms of like COVID shit. It's like the goalpost is constantly shifting. Oh, you get the vax, but you still need to wear a mask. And of course you can't travel and you still might get it. And I don't know. Look, I get that it's an evolving virus and we don't know everything, but on our side, we're just like, fuck man, like two weeks to flatten the curve. It's a year later. Like it just feels like there's a constant shift in terms of goals. But again, I get it because this is like an unparalleled experience. But in this case, shifting the goalpost, what does that imply? That someone is still playing, that there's still people on the field, that the game is still in progress. What if you walked off the field? Do you know why shitty men keep shifting the goalpost? Because you're still fucking playing, girl. You still got the ball. And you're like, where do you want me to run, coach? If we disengage from this, it ceases to be effective right? You're basically calling a bluff because what these guys are doing, they're bluffing. Like if you don't have a PhD and like suck my dick and blah, 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 all these things, I'm going to leave you. (laughs) Bye bitch. Bye. I say this. I mean, I literally say these words to dudes on Tinder. I shred men who come at me with this attitude and believe me, you, they do. I posted one on Instagram, like this combo, this guy started off, Ayo, come downtown tonight. My friends were like, Ayo, A-Y-O. He was dead from the first word, dead. And I was like, is this how you introduce yourself? He's like, look, do you want me to bullshit with you? Or you want me to be honest? And I'm like, I, that's interesting that polite is not one of the choices. And this motherfucker comes back and he's like, this is Tinder, not a talk show. I bet he, I bet he was like so proud of himself for coming up with that little witticism. I was like, you know what, dude? I know what it is. And by the way, you don't need to put your age on your bio that you're 23. Trust me, brother, it shows through. Like, I have no fucking time for this. Even though, yeah, I was bored. I had nothing better to do. Even though it was hot, I could use a good roll in the hay. (laughs) No, because if I did that, even though I wouldn't care and I would walk away after this engagement was done, he has just been emboldened, therefore, that, you know what? AO works on chicks. I can go up to a hot chick and say this absolute horseshit, and I'm going to get what I want. He's not thinking, well, she disengaged. You know, we hooked up and I never heard from her again. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. His goalpost is much, much more finite, right? It's like, I want to get my dick sucked, whatever. I don't care if she hates me. I don't care if she never speaks to me again. I'm on to the next. So I don't even give them that satisfaction, even though, like I said, it'd be kind of satisfying for me too. You know what? We got batteries for that, sweetie. If we stop allowing this and stop doing this ridiculous performative tap dance for mediocre men, they would stop behaving like this. It's like a toddler having a meltdown in Target or my dog having a meltdown a hundred different times a day because he wants something or doesn't want something. Right We know that giving in to that kind of basically terrorism is only going to embolden that creature, that baby, that toddler, that terrorist, that fuckboy, even more. He's just learned, you know what? Her saying, I don't allow this. She's full of shit. Of course she does. She let me get away with it. I didn't get put in timeout. I got that candy. I got my dick sucked. 
So what? Okay. I've learned. And we've learned too, but we're not accepting that we're learning. Men, these fuckboys, oh, they're they're accepting that they're learning. They're like, great, okay, this is a data point. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to push this a little further. Instead of saying, hey, yo, come downtown tonight, I'm going to add a bitch at the end. And you know what? I'm not even going to try to be polite. I'm going to be like, do you want to suck my dick or what? It's four inches. You into that? Yeah. Why not? Let me see how far I can push it. Because you know who's responding? Not shalligators. Weak women. Now look. I say weak with a whole heaping helping of love attached to that because it was me for a very long time. I've said so many times that when I was younger, I just wanted a guy's attention. Like I just, I kind of didn't care who it was. I just needed to feel validated in that way. And it led to the first guy I slept with. I mean, we were like off and on through all of like high school into college. I didn't even like him. That's the fucked up part. Like, I didn't even, I can't tell you one wonderful thing about him, one positive quality. I wasn't even particularly attracted to him. He was simply a human male, giving me attention, validating me. I had something to focus on. I had a guy who was willing to like have sex with me. Could that be the more, a more pathetic sentence? I don't think so. And you know what? Yeah, okay. I slept with him. It was, it was great at, at the night, at the time. Next morning, I found I'd been sleeping with my friend. We broke up. I escaped to Italy. I was devastated because I was mad at myself. Why did I do this? I don't even, I, if I'm being honest, deep, 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 under all of these layers of desperation, under all of these layers of what society tells me I need in order to be considered attractive and successful, AKA, I need a man. Underneath there, it's like, bro, I don't even like you. But I didn't get to that route then. I didn't get to it until I was 25. And we got back together. He came out to visit me in New York and he beat the shit out of me. I mean, slamming my head against the floor, choking me, saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, until hotel security dragged him off of me and threw me out. I was, I was the bad guy in that situation. And I'm like, wow. You know how this could have been avoided? <laughs> if I had maybe done a little bit more work on myself, if I'd spent money on, I don't know, therapy instead of Brazilian waxes to please him, if I had enjoyed who I was and pushed back against this idea that a man is the key to being successful and valid in this world, I wouldn't be at this hotel right now. I wouldn't be with this balding, coked out motherfucker. I'd be by myself or I'd be with someone who appreciated me. Now, I'm not trying to victim blame myself, but we've talked about this in terms of assault and trauma. You're doing yourself a disservice. You are further victimizing yourself if you don't look at how you got here. What red flags did you ignore? What fear-based rhetoric were you telling yourself to get in a car with that guy, to swipe yes on a douchebag, to go to a hotel with someone you don't like, never did, just because he's giving you the time of day? I mean, we have roles in our negative outcomes. And if we think that we don't, then we have to accept the inherent truth that we have no power in this world. Well, you're never gonna get that corner office. You don't have any power. Well. I mean, you're never going to make friends like who would like you. You're, you're not really a person. You're like this, this hologram of a person with no power, right? <laughs> you think you're going to lose weight? Good luck. Hey, that's how it goes. You cannot be completely powerless in one category, completely without, not, I don't want to use the word blame, but completely without input into an outcome in just one category of your life, but have total power. And I'm a bad bitch at work. I'm a great friend. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
If that's what you're telling yourself, that bleeds into everything. And you're probably thinking, Sean, this is getting a little off topic. You know, we're talking about beta males. No, 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 no. We're talking about us. Beta males are even in our scope of vision because we have let them be. I have worked so hard over the last few years to slice and dice dudes like this out of my life. And I have become a complete savage. I don't even post the really mean stuff because it's like really mean. But I don't put up with this shit at all. And when I do, when I get entangled with a fuck boy, when I feel a hurt locker coming, I try so hard to pull back and look at objectively. What am I telling myself to allow this? Why am I still on the field when the goalpost keeps moving? I did this with, I've talked about my Montana Hurt Locker, Tom. I've written about him on my blog, Eat, Pray, Love. If you want to sign up for that, it's, it's very like raw and just, you know, it's my diary. It's like, here's what's going on. But I rem- part of the reason I got so twisted over him, and a big part of me is still twisted over him, is exactly what the Shalligator said. The audacity. The audacity. I said this in another video. Don't you know who I am? Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? This has nothing to do with the blue check mark. This has nothing to do with shalligators and red. Th- no, 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 no. Do you know who I am? Are you not listening to what I'm saying? Are you not listening to my vocabulary, my wit, my intelligence, my eloquence? Are you not seeing? Me? Are you not seeing how I live my life independently and, and empathetically and how I'm doing something good in the world and making good friends and learning and growing? Are you not fucking seeing that, my dude? Because a lot of other people see it. You don't. You don't. So, okay, let's get this straight. You're not listening to me. You don't see who I really am. And yet I'm somehow letting you down. I'm not giving you enough. You are giving me Nothing, nothing, except for that warm body placeholder validation. I need him to like me. Do I even like him? We lose sight of this question. And it sounds so silly to say, do I like him? Because it's like, well, of course, of course I do. I'm obsessed with him. No, 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 no. That's how I felt about my first boyfriend, the one I, let's just call him Jack. Just... No real reason. Just call him that. That's how I felt about Jack. It's like, I didn't pull back and be like, do I enjoy this person? I'm having fun. I mean, sometimes I did. You know, he wasn't a monster. He became one. But, you know, we went on vacation to the Caribbean together and we had a really good time. And you know, there were there were good times. But was it worth a seven-year saga? Was it worth the heartbreak of getting cheated on, getting abused? No, nothing is. I look at this Montana Hurt Locker and I'm like, I always go back to this. I'm like a dog chasing a car. What would I do if I actually caught it? I chased this boy and loved this boy and was obsessed with this boy. I managed to reel it back and get a dose of reality. But when I was in it, I couldn't tell you one thing I liked about him. He was hot. Ah, But like, kind of, you know, I mean, he's not the hottest guy I've ever dated. So the... Obsession was completely disproportionate, right? Did I even like him? And you know what? If I'm being honest with myself, and if I was being honest with myself then, um, not really. It didn't matter if I liked him. He needed to like me. He needed to like me, right? I wasn't after a relationship. Really, I didn't want a relationship. I was brand new to the state. I want to 
you know, date around and just be free. But I needed him to like me because he was a hurt locker, right? He had exactly the social life I wanted. He was so ingrained into this culture and into this life. He was so good at everything. No, I didn't like him, him. I wanted to be him. I wanted to take those attributes for myself and put them on top of my awesomeness. I wanted to like strip off this, this sort of like wallpaper off of him and put it on my own wall in my own amazing house. And I finally realized that when I gave myself the space to realize it. And I was able to kind of walk myself back from the cliffs of insanity, the hurt locker, you know, mania. I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to date Tom. I want to be Tom. All right. How can I become more ingrained in society? How can I have a better social life? Maybe all this energy I'm using to like stalk his ex-girlfriend's blog, I could use to go out and make friends, to host parties, to join the gun club, to do more barrel racing, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I actually did that. Like I, I actually did it. Like I followed the good advice for once, you know, when we're like, wait a minute, it's almost as though following the advice actually works. This is crazy. So when we're dealing with men who neg us like this, pull back and be like, I'm a dog chasing a car. What is it I hope to get out of this? That I'm going to like change this guy's mind? That he's going to give me a seal of approval? Do I approve of him? No. We've talked before. We, I did a whole video about ugly guys who neg hot chicks. And the galvanizing example was Ed Sheeran. His eyes don't even point in the same direction. I'm sorry, but this is not someone, no matter how velvety his little voice is, that we need to be chasing. Sorry, I'm just going to vision shame Ed Sheeran. Fine. But it's well known that he shagged like all of Taylor Swift's Victoria's Secret model friends when they were on tour together and negged them. And this was especially traumatizing for these girls because... I mean, they're not even people. They're like these beautiful, magical woodland creatures, right? They're just glorious things. And they were probably in a bad emotion place. Some dude had dumped them. And Ed comes along with his stupid guitar and his like ringer tees. And he's like, oh, I can treat you better. And he's like playing his stupid songs. And they're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds fine. Because they thought, oh my God, this dude's going to like worship me. Like, look at how out of this league I am. This is crazy. And he fucks and dumps them. And they're like, oh, wait, what? What? I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought you just, I thought you just dumped me. Don't you know who I am? So in the video, we talk about, look, in a way, this is what we get for dating down, for using someone as this emotional seat filler, as an ego boost. We don't like when dudes do this to us. So if we do that to other people, it's going to backfire. You're going to wander into the jaws of someone very manipulative and very toxic. And being ugly is not an insulation for being toxic and manipulative, right? That's not a hot dude thing. That is very much more often an ugly guy thing. The guys who have negged me the hardest are the ugliest boys in the world. I should just make a website. Guys who've nugged Shallon. Ugly. Just the who's who. It's a real kennel club. Who's who if I don't care. But look, I, I was allowing this because my ego needed a boost or because I wanted a challenge. Ooh, you know, I can, I can make this awful doofus like me. And then 
that means my life is actually doing something. And I don't need to focus on the fact that my career is not doing something, that I'm 10 pounds overweight, my friendships are fractured, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. If I can make this thing work, then suddenly my life has meaning. Sound familiar? Women do it all the time. Whether the guy's hot, ugly, whether they're related to them, it's their brother, their son, their husband, it doesn't matter. We fall into this trap constantly. We fall into it with friends, right? So we got to pull back and we got to stop. Because dudes like Ed Sheeran, they have what I call kill the cheerleader syndrome. Guys know when they're ugly and they know when women don't like them. And so if you're dealing with these men who suddenly have all of these insane over the top qualifications, do you know why? It's twofold. For one, they know that they can't keep a hot chick happy. They know it. So they're going to make it impossible to even have to try. They're going to, because if you don't, you can't like fail if you don't try, right? You can't lose if you don't play. So they're going to make it so impossible for you to even get a foothold in their life that suddenly they are the winner because they've rejected you because they've created this impossible rubric that you can never meet. And we, because we are achievers and we are acquirers, we take the fucking bait. Oh, you don't think I'm good enough? Let me show you. No, 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 no. I want you to have that attitude at your job. I want you to have that attitude towards people who are mean to you in middle school and you're going to show them because you're just going to achieve all the things that people didn't think you were capable of. Great. Use that revenge and that I'll show you attitude in a healthy way. Not for a beta male. Because like you said, that goalpost keeps moving. Because he has to keep moving it. Because he knows if he gives you an inch a weekend alone with him, you're going to be like, oh my God. Ew. Like, no. Now that I have you, bro, I don't want you. You are so whatever-ish. What was I doing? Do you think a beta male could take hearing something like that? No. No. I can take hearing something like that because it's so ridiculous. It doesn't even phase me. Oh, I'm not good enough for you. That's interesting. Are you fucking Elon Musk? Are you out of your mind? I am a unicorn. Every girl listening to this is a unicorn. So whatever. So that's one reason guys keep putting up all of these like, oh, the standards are so high. No, 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 no. Their standards for women aren't high. Their standards for themselves are low. They know they cannot possibly live up to us. And some fucking how they make us dial ourselves down. We've talked about this in terms of like, you know, pigeons, right? Pigeons, pigeons are everywhere in New York City. We as human beings are empirically above pigeons. Any category you want, we got one over on a pigeon. But yet, pigeons don't really want to hang out with us. You ever try to walk up to one and start a conversation? They want nothing to do with you. They just scurry away off to eat a cigarette butt off the ground. Now, do you sit there in the park watching all the pigeons hanging out with each other and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Should I just like start eating cigarette butts? I mean, I guess so. There's like a rotisserie chicken carcass over there. I could pick at that. Do you think they'd like me then? Nope. You don't do that. Why? Because you know you're better than a pigeon. Why are we doing it with people? Are you dealing with a pigeon man? The tummy full of Marlboro Reds? Is that who you're dealing with? Why are you dumbing yourself down to be part of that fucking pigeon crew? You're an eagle. You're a human. You're a bear. You're a mountain lion. 
You're something better and different. So the other reason the guys do this, like I said, kill the cheerleader syndrome. Remember a few minutes ago when I said, use, use this motivation as like revenge for people who didn't think you'd do anything in middle school. I have joked, which is not really a joke at all, just ask my therapist, that that is my motivator. I grew up with a single mom in a town where nobody had a single mom. You know, people didn't even have a working mom. And a very rich town, my mom was a working single mom. And people, I remember this when I was like seven. People, adults, parents would be like, where's your father? And I didn't have an answer. And I was like, I don't know. Or he's not in the picture. Because that's what my mom told me to say, even though I didn't really like even understand what that meant. You know, and so I, I just, I was like, I don't, I don't know. And the look, these adults, these fucking adults. Oh, I know who they are. I remember their names. The looks they would give me like I was just trash. Like it was trash. And then that was, that was the worst case. The best case scenario was pity. Oh, oh, you're just dead in the water, aren't you? Just no shot in life. They didn't say that, but I felt it. And I felt it even when I was that little. I felt their judgment. I felt their low expectations. And I felt, as a consequence, an unquenchable well of rage because of that. Because I knew that I was smart. My family knew I was smart. They knew I was funny. They knew I was capable. And to have people look at me and say, oh, poor thing. It was enraging. It was untenable. So I worked overtime to buck every trend people thought about me. Oh, she's just going to be like slutty because single mom. Nope. Didn't catch anyone until I was 18, baby. Oh, she's going to like work at Rite Aid. <laughs> no. No. And whenever I start to feel lazy, I go back to that feeling. I try to get just an eyedropper of it. I try not to let it take over. I'm like, you motherfuckers, I'm going to show you what I can do. Right? But that's because I'm an alpha. And you guys are alphas too. And I bet... You use those bad times, those negative opinions, those poor forecasts to fuel you in a positive direction. Just watch me. But a beta does the opposite. Kill the cheerleader syndrome. The worst thing in the world, my mom has always said this, is a a nerd with power. Because nerds are above all else, nope, not smart, bitter. People, not just men, human beings have this Misguided theory that life owes them something. Life owes them popularity. Life owes them elasticity. Life owes them a fucking baby. It doesn't owe you anything, baby girl. You create your own reality. But these do- these dudes, these you know doofuses, the Ed Sheerans were dorks, middle school and high school, unattractive, talented, like they had value, but maybe at the time people didn't see it, right? And so they're gonna, it's gonna fuel them to sometimes be better, like Ed Sheeran. But there's the underside of that where they're always going to cut off their nose to spite their face. It's an old Southern saying. They are going to neg pretty girls just to prove that they can. Maybe Ed Sheeran would have gotten along and had a true, true, true love with Adriana Lima or Heidi Klum or whoever. I don't even remember Victoria Secret Miles, but he could have had an amazing connection right there in front of him. And he, it was like this tick inside of him that made him reject those girls to prove to everyone in eighth grade that he could. Oh, I'm just dorky Edward Sheeran, huh? I'll show you who I can fucking never talk to again. And isn't that exactly the kind of dudes that the alligator's describing in this question? 
oh, you have to have all these things. I'm going to neg you. You're going to create a situation so impossible no human woman can live up to it so that you get to reject her and little 13-year-old dork-faced beta male man is like, yes, I got it. Even though these girls might be an amazing fit, right? Hey, you could have a really hot, smart, awesome girlfriend. For whatever reason, she likes you and she's willing to give it a shot, but you're pushing her away for what? Think about the emotional intelligence of someone like that. Think about their emotional IQ. Low to quite low. Pigeon low. Hey, I could be a great resource for a pigeon. I could, I could bring you all the rotisserie chickens you wanted. I can go buy a pack of cigarettes and you could just shred them. You can eat them as much as you want, little pigeon. But a pigeon's too dumb. They don't see that. No, I gotta get away from you. Oh, oh, brr, brr. They're scurrying away. And you're there with your cigarettes and your rotisserie chicken, right? Who's the idiot? The pigeon. So look at people in your lives. Do you have pigeons around? Are you chasing pigeons through the park like an idiot? Or are you pulling back and you're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You wanna move that goalpost? That's fine. I'm I'm off the field. I got my uniform off, man. I'm going home. You can you can move this game around. You can move chess pieces around the board. I'm not playing. I walk away. When we're not afraid to be single, when we're not afraid to be in our own emotional real estate, to look at the problems in our lives for what they are. Hey, okay, it's tempting for me to go on Tinder and waste two hours, but you know what I really need to be doing? Cleaning my room, doing my taxes, and doing a Pilates class. That's what I need to be doing. That's what's going to give me more fulfillment instead of just this like, Ah, frantic, emotional, busy work, right? Pigeon work. When we can do that, the hard stuff, walking away from a douche like that doesn't seem hard at all. It actually, oof, it feels good. It feels good to shred someone, not even to engage enough to shred them, but to shred them by disengagement. I always say, what is crueler than denying someone something they need? And betas need power. They need to reject. They need to even the score. (laughs) Not today, bitch. Bye. I'm walking away. You run that game on someone else. I am not the one. When you can embrace walking away, this becomes our own kill the cheerleader syndrome, but in a positive way. You know what? I'm walking away from all the people I should have walked away from in middle school. I'm walking away from this dipshit sophomore who kind of likes me, but I don't like him just because I need to feel valid. I don't feel that way anymore, hon. I'm walking away. I'm killing something that was never serving me. Betas are killing something good. And they can just get out of our purview. Let the pigeons be the pigeons and keep on moving. On to our next question. I know that one was really long when I get going, especially about beta males. Good Lord. Okay, so this Shalligator Alex titled her post, Stepping Back from Positions of Responsibility. She said, I was wondering if Shalligator could talk about stepping back from positions of responsibility when they're no longer bringing you joy. I'm VP of my college politics society, and the president has just been such an asshole at times throughout the year, and yesterday was the last straw. I won't go into details because like, I doubt you guys care, but I thought it'd be interesting given your career history, if people could share some insights into how to know when it's good to move on and how to leave on a good note. Keep up the good work, babe. Ah, Alex, you're so cute. 
I think this is a really, really good topic because it's not something we talk about. I mean, we are such achievers here and we're acquirers and we're goal setters and we're goal getters, but we don't really talk about like what happens after, happily ever after, you know, like after the book comes out, after you get the law degree, after you get voted president and you're like, huh, ah, okay. Even in dating, like we just talked about in the previous question, when you're a dog chasing a car, what would you do if you caught it? Have you ever had a guy who you were like obsessed about and fantasized about, like finally like you back? It's kind of weird. I'm sort of going through this right now. Like I don't want to jinx anything, but like it, I'll tell you when it happens, believe me. But I like allowed myself to sort of inhabit this possibility of like, oh my God, wait, it might actually like work out. And you know what I felt? Sort of nothing. I was just like, huh, hmm, okay, oof, weird, weird and bad because then I was like, wait a minute, do I only really like the climb? Do I only like the journey? Do I only like the hunger, but I never actually want to eat? Am I the dog chasing the car? I just do it because I like to roo, roo, roo down the street and get a good run and eh, there it goes on the freeway, bye. It's kind of jarring to think maybe I only like going for something. But then I think to myself, okay, well, this is good data because when I don't achieve something, that's kind of like, who cares? It's like, oh, well, they didn't publish that book. Doesn't matter. I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed making the proposal. I enjoyed, like, I liked the hunt. You know what I love? I love to shop at like TJ Maxx and Marshalls. I can afford to shop nice places, but I don't like to because I like the hunt. I like hunting for a sweater that's actually only $8 and I love it, right? Versus going into a boutique and they're like, here is exactly the outfit you should wear. You're like, ugh, fine. I don't want to be fed. I want to hunt. And I'm like this in every category of my life. I realize, you know, it's like the boy, the job. It's like, yes, I, I target my energy so that if I'm really investing in a relationship, it is one that is good for me. Same with a job, a business endeavor. But it's easy to lose sight of that and focus on Either I have to have this and I have to like it once I get it, or, well, now that I did get it, and maybe I did like it for a time, oh gosh, I mean, I can't step away. What will people think? So part of the reason I'm answering this question is because I want to tell you guys I'm not going to do XO radio anymore, at least not for a while. And it's it's a very kind of, there's, there's no real reason. I just don't love it. I found myself dreading it. Also, like the time of, day and week it was. It was like midweek, eight o'clock. And I, it was just very disruptive to my week. It was like, I was kind of in the rhythm of working or seeing my friends. It's like, oh, I got to go home and do this. It was profitable, but not to the degree that I wanted it to be. And what helped me have metrics to either keep it or flush it and move on to the next thing was the book Essentialism. Now it's our literature book club selection. I'm going to be doing a video about it actually, I think next week because I want to give you guys time to read it, digest, go through things, you know, kind of try it out and see what you think. So definitely tell me, tell me on the Reddit thread, like what you guys think about it. And, and we can like kind of go from there in terms of the video. But Essentialism helped give me a rubric of like, I and it didn't spoon feed me the rubric. I had to come up with it. Like a business opportunity has to hit X, Y, and Z at the baseline. I have the energy, I have the time, it's on brand for my audience, they would like it. Okay, well, XL Radio did hit all those three things, right? But then I had three things at the top. Like, 
it has to make at least, I think it was like 80% of my normal fees, right? That's, a, that's as much as I'm willing to ever discount myself and my time. And then two other things. <laughs> that's probably a bad sign. I can't remember these off the top of my head. They're framed on my desk in Montana. <laughs> but it was like, um, oh gosh, what else? It doesn't matter. Because it didn't hit that 80% mark. It was like, you know, like 70. And I'm like, well, come on, 70. But then I'm like, look, if I don't stick to these numbers, the next time something comes along and only hits 60% of the revenue I want, well, okay. And then 50%, well, it's a new company. I should help them. And it's just on and on and on. Now look, 70% of what you normally want to make, not too bad. 50%, not too bad. But this kind of stuff bleeds into other categories, doesn't it? Well, I really, 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 really want to go to Tulum with my friends. Okay, that's an easy decision, right? Uh, do we really want to go to Tapas, though? You guys know how I feel about Tapas. Well, no, but I 50% want to go. And hey, I'm used to 50% return on investment in my business category or in my health category. What's the difference? And then before you know it, you're just a little jellyfish. You're going wherever the wind takes you, the tide actually, and you don't really have metrics for your life. You don't have a rule book that you're playing by. And then we can start to feel very, very eroded, very resentful that people are making demands on our time. And we're resentful. We say that we're resentful over, you know, about them, but we're not. We're mad at ourselves because we don't feel like we have the power to say, you know what, no, tapas is not my thing. I would love to meet you guys after. Well, you know what? I'm so, I just cannot come to Montauk. It's just so far. I'm sorry. I love you. I'll send over a birthday cake. But when we can have a line in the sand in at least one category, you know what? I never eat gluten. I just don't. I don't run red lights. I don't care how late we are, you know? Then we become women of action. I always say that like I go back to my making the bed thing. Every day I make my bed. No matter how tired, hungover, late, whatever, I make my bed. And I view myself as a person who makes her bed. I also floss. Not as much as I make my bed, but I do floss. And I'm like, I am a person of discipline. I am a woman of discipline. I get up, I make the bed, I floss. No matter how else the day goes, I've achieved those two things. I've done something. Okay. So then when I'm faced with a different challenge, a different decision, hmm, does this belong in my life or does it not? I'm like, well, I'm a woman of discipline. Even if all I'm pegging it on is making the bed and flossing. It sounds small, but it's not. Because our minds, our psyche wants to move in the direction of essentialism. Of not trying to do everything, but doing the right things. Doing the truly beneficial things. Just those handful of things. And more importantly, learning what's the right thing. And what are the, the superfluous things that don't serve us? Our mind wants that efficiency. Because otherwise, when we're not efficient, we're tired, we're stressed, we're fragmented, scatterbrained, right? We're doing things, but we're not really present. We're doing everything and enjoying nothing. So if we can give our mind a foothold to make those healthy decisions, even if it's something as simple as making the bed, our mind is like, all right, this is what I like. Let's keep doing it. And it's going to find more ways to get that healthy, positive, essentialist feeling into your life. Now, am I getting off track here? I am want to do that. This probably sounds like a big existential answer to a question of should I stay or should I go? I mean, and it is. 
But this is the larger existential umbrella of behaviors we should operate under, right? We should have that essentialism. That's why I picked this book. Yes, I want you guys to like absorb all of the knowledge in it, of course. But also, I want you to have like a reason for it. And when I was like, because I've been like going around and around in my mind, I was like, how am I going to tell him I'm not going to do XO radio? And I'm like, thank God I have essentialism. I have like that card to play, that sort of excuse in my back pocket. Like, well, hey, it's not me. I'm not just being lazy or mean or a quitter. I'm being an essentialist. Now, some people will call me lazy and a quitter, whatever, but I have a different term for it. I'm an essentialist and I'm lucky that I have that sort of, I guess we could say like thing to hide behind. That's like a a very like gloomy way of looking at it. It goes back to, or it relates to how we create confidence. That's one of the best video series I've done is confidence. You fake it till you make it, right? When I don't feel confident, and when you guys don't, I encourage you to sort of like zip yourself in the suit of someone you know, either in real life or a celebrity, that does embody the confidence you want. For me, it's Kourtney Kardashian. I'm like a thousand years old, and I hang out with people who are not a thousand years old. And so, you know, when I would go to like events in New York, and it was like fashion week, and I felt like everyone there was like 18 and a model, and I'm like, I'm a thousand years old, and I'm a potato on the internet. I zipped myself into my Kourtney Kardashian suit, and I pretended I was her. I was like playing her in a, you know, as, as a role. It's like, this is my club in my town on my planet. This is my world and everyone is just living in it, including my sasters, right? Just a little bit of that vibe. I'm like, Courtney would walk into this room and be like, this is my house, right? She has that attitude. And so when I didn't feel confident, I played the Courtney card until kind of just, I didn't need to anymore. It meshed with my own inner psyche. Again, I was giving my mind a foothold to a better emotional place. And my mind's like, all right, man, you're Courtney now. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm Courtney. Now I don't have to do it anymore. How does this relate? When we can say, hey, no, you know what? I'm being an essentialist. This served me for a while. I got all the good out of it. I'm probably going to. But the tipping point has occurred. And I am neutral enough I'm enough of an essentialist that I can pull back and look at the return on investment. Okay, cost me two hours, gives me four days of anxiety and just like bitching about it afterwards. And then the rinse repeat. We have another fucking meeting at this uni club, right? So I'm going to pull back. I'm going to say, hey, it's not serving me anymore. And you know what's hard about this stuff, about being an essentialist? Is people aren't going to understand it. And this is why I have my rubric printed out and framed. Like I can pick it up and be like, no, no, no. These are the metrics. It didn't hit them. And it didn't hit just one of them. It hit, but it has to hit all of them, right? If it doesn't hit one, we don't do it. So it's helpful to have that card to play sort of a different version of the Kourtney Kardashian suit, right? So if you need to blame walking things back on essentialism, I use the word blame, but credit essentialism or me or the podcast you heard or shalligators or whatever it is, Do it, do it until you get comfortable saying no, until you get comfortable not explaining yourself. Because I, you know, I have to say this to people as people like, oh my God, you didn't take this sponsorship opportunity. You didn't do this. It's like, it, it didn't align with my essentialism, right? And if I say that enough in the beginning to the relevant people, I don't have to keep saying it. I don't have to keep explaining myself because 
either they'll just know, oh, Shallon didn't deem this essential or it didn't hit her metrics and she actually has them. It's not just, mm, I don't want to. No, she went through in a very scientific way is like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, right? Or because I won't feel compelled to explain myself because I will make these essentialist decisions. I'll feel better. I will orient my energy to something that does have what I consider to be a better return on investment in terms of my time, money, how you guys like it, whatever. And then I can be like, I don't need to explain myself. I'm confident in the decisions I make, right? I know that making this decision, while it might not make sense to other people, while it may be crazy on paper, I have a plan here because I've pulled back. I've made my emotional rubric for things, my financial rubric, my health, food, calorie rubric. I have a bunch of them. I have like three different ones on my desk, social interaction, health stuff, business. I mean, because it's an organizational system then. I only have to make that decision once and then I can just look at the rubric of my essentialist you know, values. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't hit it. Can't do it, right? And then it, it becomes not as personal and I can make the decisions easier. Things and opportunities are like people. And what do we say? If they're not here for a reason, then they're only here for a season. And seasons change. Maybe when you got into this club or the job or the relationship or the whatever, this was what you needed. Well, girl, at one point, breast milk was what you needed. Are you still breastfeeding? I would venture you are not. You allowed that season to end and you didn't think anything of it. There was no emotional attachment to it, right? You were a baby. You're just like, hey, not essential, moving on. And we get older and we attach all these stories to movement and to moving on and to the seasons changing. Oh, how could I live this guy? We've been together since we were 15. But she's been my best friend since I was nine. And who cares that she's a methed out weirdo? Now I, I can't just abandon her. Why not? Go back to your essentialism. Go back to the breast milk example. Let the seasons change. And they don't have to change for other people. Other people observing your life with no skin in the game, right? It's like, oh, but she should stay in the club. She should stay in the job, the relationship, the friendship. Well, you're not in it, are you? So actually, huh, you don't get a vote. People are always going to tell you what your priorities should be. And it's up to us to have them set so firmly in stone that we don't even take it as an insult or criticism or it doesn't even rock our boat. It's like, you, you should be prioritizing having kids. Ah, you know what? I've actually got my own set of priorities. I printed it out on my desk. Here's what I'm focused on. But thank you for the suggestion. Perhaps you should take your own advice. Sorry you have a bunch of sticky kids you don't like. This goes back to our mantra. Be okay to walk away. Know that if you walk away, you're walking towards something better. You're not just walking aimlessly in circles, right? You're not leaving and just standing there like a sim, doing nothing, static. You're moving towards something. What is that something? That's something you need to decide for yourself. You're going to leave this club. Okay, what are you going to do with those two hours a week? Fill it with something fun. Go ice skating, bake cakes, put on little dioramas about pandas or whatever. But fill it so that it doesn't feel like a hole, so that you don't look back and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Now it's been replaced by something positive, something essential that does hit your metrics. Find the beauty in walking away. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo, and 
subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.